You are listening to the Noisy Narratives Podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. Um, this is Debbie Vallejo, and I'm here with Christy today. Hey, Christy. Hello. How are you, Debbie? I'm doing good. Yes, you got the how are you question in faster. <laughs> well done. I was going to actually change it up and say, how's your week going so far? Oh, that's Is that good. a better question? It is a good question. Yeah. It's Wednesday. See you at the poll is today, or this whole week. So I think that's such a sweet time. So it may not be by the time we drop the podcast, see at the poll this week, but no, we but did do good. it right now. Yeah, we and did it do was, it. And I know yes. I probably shouldn't share that. No, no, that's current, great. But I do think it was really cool how it happened too. A friend was like, hey, we're doing anything for see at the poll. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Are we? And then just a group of moms got together and we had see at the poll this morning. Aww. So it was fun watching and God it was a work beautiful with morning other too. Yeah. You had yes. a great morning with the sun, the beautiful weather, the yeah. sun coming up just yeah. perfect. So it was a perfect hump day activity to be like, oh, look, yeah. we're praying for our kids and our schools and our administrators. I think that's always encouraging. Now, who, um, everybody, I've been to a few different ones. People tend to do it different. Do you have like mm-hmm. one person pray or do you have several pray or do you pick so, them ahead of time? How do y'all do yours? Uh, no one ever wants to pray. Right. Because it is intimidating. There's a lot of people out there uh-huh. see at the poll yeah. a lot of times. It's so, intimidating. Um, I rely strictly on the Holy Spirit to move in those times and open up to everybody. So like this morning, I just read scripture and then I said, okay, now let's pray. Does anybody want to pray for their friends? And then we wait. We wait. We wait. And then somebody offers. It's great. So we do that for everything. And they're always covered. So I don't stress out about it. And if somebody does, then I'll pray. But today I took my daughter, Brinley, who's a freshman, and I was like, you're my backup. If nobody volunteers, you got to step up. And she was like, can I be the backup to the backup? <laughs> and I said, no. And Jen, she goes, I'm the backup to the backup because she had to go with us. I said, yes. So that was my backup plan. But usually I don't. Well, and I think little Gentry could show some of those uh, high schoolers how to play, pray. Maybe. Well, we were at Rogers. So we were at her elementary. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there was one sweet little fifth grade boy. I said, does anybody want to pray for their friends? And he's on his bike. And he has his sweatshirt on. He has his hoodie over his head. And he was like, he just kind of goes like that, raises his hand a little bit. And I was like, oh, do you want to pray? And he was like, yes, ma'am. He got off his bike. He came over like kind of in the middle area and he prayed for his friends. It was precious. So that's That's why you don't want to anoint or ask ahead of time. Ahead of time. Because you you want like, what if the Holy Spirit moves and says you want to and you don't know who's going to show up? Yeah. Oh, so sweet. And people forget it's just a conversation. Maybe if they remember that, it wouldn't be quite so intimidating. But I think kids feel they know they kind of, I think. Yeah. Just know that. They yeah. just do it. He they even prayed. Pray. It was really sweet. He was like, Lord, thank you for this and our teachers and our friends. And thank you that we have money to do this. Oh. And I was like, oh, he wants the donuts that we all paid for. That's fine. We'll end up prayer real fast. But I thought that was so cute. <laughs> That's that he equated cute. like a group of people gathering out of around a flagpole. And it was And he pre- said thank you. And he said thank you. It was precious. But in this time. Like, no, other countries don't get to do that. They don't. Like, you yeah, have to acknowledge, like, this is a blessing. It this is a, a blessing. Gift, that we get to do this with other mm-hmm. people in public. That's true. I don't know. I kind of got teary-eyed. I was like, I might cry. Hold it together. Because it right. was cool seeing all the craziness that's going on in France and Australia that go, mm-hmm. we can get out and we can pray around our flagpole. That's that is great. Right. I mean, that was 
for our kids to see it and acknowledge it. I thought that was good. That is cool. Anyway, how's your week? That's awesome. My week's been good. Yes, been good. We are now thick in the looking at colleges and all the crazy stuff for oh, for round two. For round two already, some having some hard. I can feel the tension building. <laughs> having hard conversations again about college, and I'm like, okay, then we'll get a break next year before the third one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, but it's. I mean, it's good. We're. Um, you know, everybody, everything's going well in our home. What about now? We have our guest, Miss mm-hmm. Anne-Marie Lindig. Hello, 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 hello. hello. How's Mrs. your week Lindig. been? <laughs> our Mrs. Lindig, as her yeah. preschoolers like. You know, to. we um, it's been going good. Been working on doing some lesson planning and. And you're a grandmother now. I am. I'm so. The last time excited. we had you I'm on, a, you were I'm not a, a grandmother. You're a Mimi. I'm a She's Mimi. a Mimi. We don't say grandmother. Yes. We say Mimi. Yes. No more Mrs. She's Lindig. Precious. It's now Mimi. So how old is she now? Six months. Six months. Oh, that's fun. So she's like, is she crawling around? Not yet. She's rolling around and she can sit up. So she's pretty amazing. Right there. Oh, Mm -hmm. man. That's awesome. That's so great. Okay. So you are here with us today to talk about connections. We're going to talk about the importance of connections, um, especially for kids as they're growing up and they're layering belief upon belief, like in their brain, both consciously and unconsciously, right? Um, and you used, you have used several words for us as we were kind of preparing for this to talk about why connections are important. And this is true for people across the board, not just preschoolers. Correct. And we're just saying connections are important. But you use words like they help kids learn self-regulation. Um, and you've used a lot of other self-regulation, you, you said, is kind of a, a buzzword in education right now. In the education right world, it is. So talk to us first about when you use the word connect, connection with someone else. Um, talk about um, what you mean by that first, and then maybe we'll go from there. So really, it's it's a word that um, came from some books that I read this summer. I was reading uh, No Drama Discipline and The Whole Brain Child by Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. And so this is a terminology that they use um, but it is what it sounds like. And we're thinking about it in ways when we're talking about some big emotions. When we're having, when um, people are, you know, really angry or upset, we have, especially in our world, we're dealing with preschoolers. So we have lots of big emotions. Big emotions are pretty common around our little workplace. And so how do you handle those big emotions? And the first thing you have to do is to connect. And um, when we think of connect and uh we want to be able to help them to understand, to calm themselves down. So self-regulation is the ability to self-manage our behavior, our emotions, our thoughts, our actions um, in a way that can maintain good relationships and just an overall sense of well-being. But when you're little, you're learning how to self-regulate. So the first step we have in helping them to learn this is to connect. And so when I say connect, that is how are we going to respond to them in a way to help them to calm down. So, for instance, let's say a preschooler is throwing a fit because they uh, you cut their sandwich into rectangles and they want their sandwich cut into triangles. And that simple action could cause them to go into complete and meltdown. And adults going to look at that and go, really? Right. But in their mind, you're saying feeling intensely is what's happening. Right. And so what's happening in their brain at that point in time is really what the purpose of these books that I was reading this summer is really talking about. So if you think about it, 
at that point in time, the child is um, responding with big emotion. That big emotion is telling us something. So we can choose to ignore that big emotion and just pretend like it's nothing, or we can use it as a way to communicate because they don't often have the vocabulary to tell us what's really going on. So connection can be lots of different things. It can be just a touch. It could be a hug. There's a lot of research about what happens in the brain, uh, chemicals that are released, just the simple act of touching somebody, and that can immediately start to calm somebody down. Uh, A lot about our posture. When we're standing over somebody and looking down at them, that doesn't feel very calming. Mm -hmm. But if we're kind of at eye level, that feels a lot more calming, getting down at the eye level with the child. Uh, When we use a calm voice, if we're our facial expressions say a lot too. If we look upset, it's still connecting. It does not feel connecting at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is true for anybody. It doesn't matter what age. I mean, I know um, as an adult, if I've had a bad day and I go home and I'm kind of trying to express my bad day, I don't want anybody, my husband, to fix it at that point in time. I want him to agree with me like, oh, that really was hard. I want to feel him on your team. Yeah, I want to feel a connection with him. And um, before he tries to offer me any solutions, Mm -hmm. I want a connection. And that's the same thing with our kids. That's why it's so important that we first take time to connect. And if we don't think connections are important, a lot of times we'll just skip straight into punishment. So when we think of dealing with kids and they're reacting strongly, we'll want to give a consequence very quickly. Um, We kind of are maybe every behavior we think has to have a punishment or a consequence fairly quickly in our mind. We're always thinking, what? What is it that, all right, what's the consequence? What, what do I need to give as oh, a punishment right now? Me. Right? Because yes, constantly and, thinking about that. And because yes. we think that we want that behavior to stop. Yes. And if we think that. <laughs> that for sure is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> because you've already played out in your mind. If he does this, then when he's 10, he's going to do this. And then 12 yeah. and then 15 and 18. And I've already played out in my head. And now you're in jail. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right. And I raised you and I didn't do this, which is how you ended up in jail. It's my fault. We want compliance. That's what we want mm-hmm. at that moment in time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we obviously, we want them not to, oh, for the rest of their lives, throw a fit because their sandwiches were not cut into triangles. Mm-hmm. This is obviously not our goal. Uh, but what we're trying to we forget is that actually the word discipline means teaching. So at that moment in time, if I go straight to punishment or straight to a consequence, they are not actually learning anything mm-hmm. at that moment in time in that situation. So connection helps me to be able to calm them down. So then we can go to redirect. And redirect is where we actually can do the teaching. So we can actually, what I'm hearing is we can work against ourselves. Absolutely. If we're over punishing, giving too many consequences, the very thing we're trying to prevent which is our kids repeating this behavior over and over, we can actually help cause. Because they're not learning, you're saying, necessarily, from just repeated consequences over and over and over. Right. Sometimes what we're actually doing is hurting our relationship without even realizing it. We're hurting mm-hmm. our relationship with them because what we're teaching them is, I really only want to be around you when you're acting good, when you're making me feel good, when your behavior is okay. That's when I want to be around you. But if you're you know, having any kind of emotion that I don't like, then I don't want to be around you at that point in time. And that's really not what we are trying to teach. We, you know, when your child is throwing a fit in the grocery store, all you really want to do is 
get out of the, the grocery, grocery store, store right yeah. you're not really That's caring just still one of my favorite stories of a kid going to fit on the grocery store floor and me being like have fun with that and walking away <laughs> and then being like turning the corner and i think i had a kid another kid with me and they were like is that is, is he okay i don't know just keep walking if someone's gonna take that kid she's crying good luck and this is your kid so my we're clear own kid. <laughs> yes because i'm like i'm like because like you said you can't talk to them when they're crying when they're enraged when they're tantruming you yeah. cannot there is no learning that is happening whatsoever. I did this real fast at the grocery store when it wasn't busy. Mm-hmm. Right. If it was busy, I would have taken his tiny honey and we would have gone to the gone to the car. Well, you know, to, <laughs> I think it's great. I don't. I just can't stand a crying kid in the car. Just, yeah. just. I mean, in the store. Yes. Just go handle that out in the car. Please. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it causes anxiety for everybody. Not every moment is going to be a teaching moment, yes. right? I think that that is so true, and it's okay to remember that. Mm-hmm. We're not – there's uh, – sometimes we think about it. Even Paul David Tripp in his book, Parenting, he talks about surviving and thriving. And so often we just kind of stick on surviving. I just want to survive this moment. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful – Every, Every single discipline like behavior That's becomes right. a surviving mm-hmm. moment. Yep. And we don't take the time to think about that there's actually a skill that they need that they have to be taught. And those are so those really hard, difficult, big emotion moments can actually be thriving moments, moments where we can actually learn to teach our children something different. If we'll think of that first thing we need to do is connect when at all possible. When we can connect and give them a time to, to calm down. Sometimes it's just actually talking about how they're feeling. Like, oh, I can tell you're really angry right now. Your face is showing me that you're really angry and you're acknowledging how they're feeling. And they'll often say, yeah, I'm really angry. They took my toy or they'll you know, give you all of the reasons why they're feeling angry. You're not quantifying their emotion as bad or good. You're just giving them a chance to express how they're feeling and they feel hurt. And that will help calm them down as well. Then once they're calm, then you can go into the redirect as far as talking about and teaching them a better way to solve that situation. So it can become a thriving moment where you actually feel that you taught them something. Uh, In the book, it talks about a lot about our brain and how it's built just the brain which book is whole brain child whole brain child and then no drama discipline they're I both started whole connected yeah. mm-hmm. they're by the same authors mm-hmm. one the whole brain child's more um understanding the brain and no drama is more hands-on how to apply some oh of that. that's a good way to describe yeah. it okay thank you and so if you think about your think about your brain as a house Right, you have the downstairs part of your house where the kitchen and the bathroom is, and those are where all the basic needs of your house are being um, kept. So that is where our primal part of our brain is. That's the part that controls our breathing. It controls our protection, and when we feel fearful or scared or angry, that's the part of the brain that is ignited at that part of time. Then we have the upstairs part of our brain, and the upstairs part of our brain is where our prefrontal cortex is. It is the more complex part of our brain. It helps us to be able to um, problem solve, to be able to understand each other's feelings, to empathize, to think um, self-sacrificially, to be able to uh, solve problems in a more complex way. And the truth is that our upstairs brain is not 
fully functioning. It's not completely built until we're in the mid-20s. Mm. Now, your downstairs brain was formed when you were alive. So as soon as you were a baby, you were crying and breathing and all those things. But your upstairs brain isn't fully functioning. And as adults, we often forget that with kids because sometimes they'll show great empathy or maybe they'll show an understanding, an ability to um, adjust from one situation to another really quickly. And then the next moment they're throwing a fit because they didn't get a purple crayon. And that's all they can see is that it's not fair. I didn't get a purple crayon and they're just losing it. And we think that because they're, they could do it yesterday, they showed their ability to be, uh, and take the situation and be able to handle it no matter which way it went, whether crayon they got. And now they're not. We think that they're actually choosing to do that. And the reality is it's they're so true. I'm like, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. It happens all the time. They, they're not choosing to do it that at that moment, they just really can't. And this applies from toddler to college, college. And I oh. would even say as adults <laughs> too, sometimes our frontal lobe isn't always working right. I, right? That. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if we lived in a world that was always self-regulated. If everybody was able to self-regulate on a hundred percent time. I think we call that heaven. Well, and this, right, <laughs> we do. <laughs> and and we want heaven off, here, which right? is also part of our problem. Well, and what's interesting is kids who had trauma mm. are oh. kids who have come from hard and difficult abusive situations, turn into adults, grow into adults whose frontal lobe has not formed properly a lot of times. So that's where you get MDMR. You get a lot of these other things, right, that can... PTSD. Well, you get have PTSD for sure. But there's a need to go back and kind of retrain the brain in a way. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're a child and you're not able to do the learning that's required um, for everything in the frontal lobe to develop properly, then there could be reason as an adult why you may be struggling with something you've always tried to work on and you can't figure out why you can't master something and it could be because there's a need for some Some other things right some retraining well and that's one of the great things about the brain is that it's complex and it's constantly changing and it and it is we can reconnect different pathways that were broken before which i mean i'm just like god made that yeah like he knew that like that's incredible and i think like he made our brain that way isn't it frustrating at times, though, that people put you in a box or put people in a box? Like you can't change. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I feel like God would program us that we would be able to change. Because he talks about change in the Bible all the time. Yes. And so it's nice that <laughs> yeah. science is catching up totally. to what God has been telling us. For sure. For so long to go, yes, people can change. Let them out of their box. And we can be part of that change because even though their frontal lobe isn't fully formed, ours is. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we're dealing with... Hopefully. And I feel like we should caveat that also. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right there. It's fully formed, but we don't always use it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes when our kids are experiencing big emotions, our lower part of our brain is being enraged. And we're just doing, we're just fighting and fighting back and forth with two enraged um, bottom parts of our brain. When we go at it with an, a more of our upstairs brain working, our complex brain working, we can help them. And that's where that connect when I will make the choice to say, I realize what's happening here. You are throwing a fit because you are having a big emotions and you don't know how to deal with those big emotions. So I'm going to help you deal with those big emotions. And I come at it with that kind of attitude. I can actually help them to build pathways that go from that lower part of your brain, like a staircase, to your upper part of your brain. And that pathway, they will be able then to be able to 
more quickly go from the lower part to the upper part without me always having to be there and do it for them. But that's something that they are being taught and that they can learn. So you say, so you say, so we've talked about the connection part, but there's steps kind of to the process of actually helping them learn. Connection's the first part of that, right? Because you're saying you need to connect and get past the part of the flight, fright, our freeze part, right? Faint, or with yeah. faint mm-hmm. or and so now the you M1? connected. Yeah, and there's four now. There's What's four. That? See, I thought there was just the three. See, you can always learn something new. <laughs> you can. <laughs> so it's not just freeze anymore. There's freeze and you faint. Well, if I'm gonna freeze, I think I would like to faint. Because yeah. then at least I won't see everything. <laughs> Good point. If I'm gonna freeze here, can't do anything, mm-hmm. I might as well just pass out. So um so those four things, okay, so what we're saying is we're getting past that now with the connection. What's the next step then to helping them learn? So the first part is just calming them down. That's the first step. But then when we're actually wanting to teach them a new skill, right? So because you need something to replace the poorly used right. skill that they've done with the tantrum and everything. Because even though we talked about how punishment is not teaching and consequences are not teaching them, I'm not saying that we don't ever have a punishment or a consequence, right? Kids need boundaries, mm-hmm. right? But just like you wouldn't expect a child just to know their ABCs, you would actually take time to teach them the alphabet. Our kids need to be taught how to respond differently to these different emotions and behaviors that they're having. So one way um, that I think, especially when we're dealing with preschoolers, that what we need to remember is to use few words. When we uh, are trying to go into that next stage, a lot of times it's just a simple sentence like um, hitting hurts. We can't hit our friends because it hurts. Sometimes that's enough. Our kids know when they misbehave. They know when that... uh, Right, real fast, you didn't use the word you at all. You just said hitting hurts. So are you trying, even when you say small words, they, and, I've, and I've noticed some of the connecting words are, like, I can notice you're this. But then when you're putting it back, not putting it back on them, when you're redirecting them, do you try to avoid using you did this? or I don't know that that is what, as that important detail, as, we just don't, we get in a tendency to lecture. You know, we might go on to this whole, you know, thing about, um, well, they need our wisdom, Miss Linda. Right. You know, we might go into <laughs> this great big, you know, theological <laughs> thing about yes. hitting and hurting, yes. and we'll just keep on I'm rambling bring on. bring the Bible out. We're going to talk about that. I'm right. show you. Right. And when they get older, they can handle a little bit more of that. But even I would say with teenagers, we tend to use way too many words, and they just, it becomes white noise. Mm-hmm. And so, and little, that's not true. connecting for them. No. Connecting for them is letting them talk. Little nuggets of truth go a long way when we're trying to reteach something. So if you think about um, one thing, one of the things that Paul David Tripp talks about, too, is we have to have a long view of parenting. We can't think of parenting as just one event. It's a process. So when I redirect them on this one behavior, one time necessarily doesn't mean that they're never going to hit another person ever again. But we're going to go over this and we're going to practice different ways. Like, how can we, What you can use your words next time. And we'll practice different things. That is uh, more helpful than a long lecture. So a few words um, and get, kind of get to the point. Something else, um, we a lot of times can embrace the emotion. We talked about 
Um, not saying that the embracing that the emotion is okay or wrong. We're not saying anything about that. We're trying to describe because they don't understand what they're really feeling. They just know I, they got mad and they hit, or they got mad and they threw something. They don't really understand um, how to put that into vocabulary sometimes. Mm-hmm. So using our words to help them understand that this is what is happening. Um, what does angry look like? What does feel, what does that feel like? And then what can I do differently when I feel that way next time? One of the interesting methods I talked about in redirect that I hadn't really thought about a lot, but I can see it as being so true, is reframing a no with a conditional yes. Ooh, give us an example. So this was an example. So let's say your Which child. I love. I don't ever feel yeah. like growing up, like I didn't tell the kids no a lot. Because I feel like you're going to get a no. And when you get the no, I want it to be like, oh, you oh, need that's absolute, no. Yeah. Yes. This is an absolute no. Yes. Yeah. If you think about it, there is something that happens as soon as you hear the word no in your mind. Like there's a feeling, there's like this, you know, I want to retaliate kind of mm-hmm. thing when somebody tells us no. Or for some people, it's totally like they sink in their chair. They can't function. It's you, shame sometimes. Shame. Yeah. shame. Like it depends mm-hmm. on what your kid is, how your kid's wired. Right. So, for instance, your child comes to you and they want a cookie. And instead of saying, no, you can't have a cookie, you could say, yes, you can have a cookie after dinner. Mm. And so that's a conditional yes. Which makes more sense because no, you can't have a cookie sounds like you can never have a cookie. Whereas you can have a cookie, you just can't have one right Right. now. So what you're saying is you can have one after dinner. Sure. But back to your point of the process too. So as a parent, you're thinking throughout the day. Yes, she's going to have a cookie or he's going to have a cookie Mm -hmm. later. Just let him know he's got something to look forward to later. Right. Versus thinking just in that moment of right now. Yeah. Saying no right now. And I think that helps a lot, too, with um, that that emotion. Like sometimes we we can actually choose to enrage a child instead of engaging with them. I know that if I tell them, well, you can't have a cookie, and I start to – we could get into this power struggle right away because – I know that they're going to be upset because they're not going to be able to have a cookie and we can kind of get into this uh, war. Mm-hmm. And instead of choosing to do that, I if I can just phrase it differently, then I'm helping to actually engage. I know that they want a cookie. I've even, you know, um, seen parents who will or talk to parents who will let them pick out the cookie that they can have later. And it's just kind of a, a way to distract that. This is, I'm going to get this. One of the things about emotions that kids sometimes, we don't realize, is they sometimes feel that emotion is going to stay forever. They don't understand that. It's temporary. That it's temporary. Mm-hmm. And I feel scared or I feel like when mom leaves, that feeling of them leaving, I, they feel like it's going to be there forever. Even our our older kids, too. I remember working with my children on homework and they would be just at that point where they were totally you know disintegrated their brain is down that bottom part of their brain and they're I'm stupid I can't do this this is too hard yeah. and they kind of get stuck in that feeling that I'm always going to feel this way this is never going to get and homework's better. always going to be like this that I'm never going to be able right. to get the stuff done right yeah so part of redirection is being able to help talk that through. That's embracing that emotion and saying, well, think about this. So remember when you learned how to add double digits, that was really hard for you. Um, and But eventually you started to be able to do that. And now it's really easy for you. So you're talking through that. Sometimes that's what it looks like in a redirect kind of moment. Uh, I think that um, emphasizing the pos- positive is really important. Uh, instead of saying maybe to a child, stop whining. You can emphasize the positive by saying, 
Um, use your powerful big boy voice so I can really hear you. That is more engaging. They want to be able to, you're talking about using a powerful voice that is more positive. In school, we always talk about what we want them to do. We don't say don't run. We say use your walking feet. So use putting things into without the negative. And you're giving them something to replace the behavior too. That's right? true too. Because you want, because there has to be something to replace. They're, they're, they're telling you something. All behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. So they're telling you something. You're just giving them a different way to communicate or a different way to use their bodies, right? Replace. So then after, so you have connection, redirection, and then what's after that? Well, I think redirection is the whole process. It's, okay. it's a lot of times just practice, right? It's, yeah. a lot of practice. it's a lot of practice. So then, yeah, let me, bring, let me ask you this then. There's going to be people listening to this going, my brain doesn't think that way. That's what I, I was can't thinking. do this. I was like, like this feels very are, overwhelming. Yes. Or they're not, they don't have the ability to go, I'm going to stoop down to your level and talk to you like this. Like, it's just not in their being. So they have, never grew up with it. And this is yes, born. And it. I think that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people. So then where, how do you change that about yourself? Because we have decided we can change. Yes, Even as can. adults, we can change. Thank as parents, Lord. we can change. Thank goodness for mm-hmm. that. We don't have to stay as we are all the time. Mm-hmm. How well, do you I was just going to say that too, because I feel like um, there are times that we do this really well and there are times that we don't do this really well. Even yesterday at school, there were times yesterday where I had interactions with students that went really well. They, I had a child who was really upset and he was really sad. He was really missing his parent. And we pulled out and talked and read a book and he totally was able to get back into feeling you know, calm and ready to be back in his classroom and he did great. Then we had a child at the end of the day who was really upset because he didn't get a toy. And uh, because of the timing, uh, it just went from bad to worse. <laughs> I would call that we definitely poked that lizard, which is that bottom part of your brain, the reptilian brain. We were poking it because at that moment we were thinking we didn't have another choice but to physically you know, help him and move him. And that just made it worse for him at the end of the day. And later on, as we were talking about it, we just we talked about it we're like that did not go well. That is not the best way for him. He needed more time to be able to calm down. So we need to come up with a different plan because that we did not handle that mm-hmm. well at that moment. And I think with parents, that's what we need to do too. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to self evaluate, um, evaluate mm-hmm. our our times honestly when we're like that. and say that I did not do that well. That and friends can well. help with that if you allow them. This if you true. let them in. People can help you do that. If there's things about yourself you want to work on, people can help. But it's hard because I will tell you, nothing hurts the pride or the mama bear feeling, whatever, than than feeling like someone's saying you're not parenting. Right. And so. Have people told you you're not parenting? Oh, no. I'm just saying, like, when you're inviting someone. (laughs) Don't be friends with them, Betty. Move away from those people. (laughs) But I was like, I've had good friends that have spoken into that part of my life, but I've invited it. Yes. So I don't know that everybody invites it. And I think no. that's a good part of if there's something you want to know the change. But you're right. If I didn't invite it, I haven't had people say, well, that's a horrible, horrible parent. Not ever, thankfully. Well, as teachers, we but, often do that. Where we'll brainstorm with each other. We'll talk about, you know, this is what happened. And kind of that's really what you're doing. You're brainstorming. Yeah. Like, what could we do in a different way? But you're and you're really, using though, your tribe. Being humble. Yeah. Like, it, for sure. Like, that is the first step is being like, we messed this up. Yeah. And then being able to go, okay, now we want to build up and do this better. Because I don't think anybody wants to to admit. Because a lot of parents blame their kids. 
Well, of course. Well, if they had done that, then exactly. I wouldn't do this. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're the parent. Yeah, right? that's exactly right. You have the fully functioning brain. Yes. You do. That's right. Yes. Well, supposedly. Again, we go Again. back to supposedly. <laughs> so if, so you're I wish wanting. we could all just walk around with, I'm a hot mess. My kids are hot mess. <laughs> I take any help. Just my brain is only 80%. Uh-huh. Well, and if you have still Multi- working on that time. Heaven is where yes. 100% comes in. But then if you have multiple kids, you're doing this with a baby on a hip uh-huh. and a kid that is freaking totally. out. I mean, you it that takes so much to then say, hey, I need to calmly connect with you and then i'm going to redirect with you now get up kid we've got so much to do i mean that's, right because whether hard. it's comfortable or not you have multiple kids yes. and it is hard so at some point we have to sit down and sit in that for a bit and be able to evaluate ourselves and what that means for us and if there's stuff we need to change because then here's the other thing i felt like you brought up too was time oh i, I picked up on that yeah it was the schedule happen. so like if you're constantly moving all day long uh-huh how does a parent have time to address this stuff well? And let's so be honest, what? our kids are never on our schedule, right? When we need to leave, <laughs> they are never ready. They're never, they never their find best. a shoe that they need no. to get ready. No. They're not wanting to stop what they're doing and move to the next thing. And so you're and right. And this happens to homes all over. So all it's over. not just your house. No, it's, it's not just your house. And so trying to, to be able to evaluate that too and know and own up on our own part of that, like, I I was poking that lizard because I didn't give them time to transition from one to the other. I was on my schedule. I was ready to go. So then that means they need to be ready to go. And I did not give them time to be able Which to Which if you're someone that. with struggles with being late or anything, because addressing the needs of your child in these hard moments may mean you're late to something, you're going to really have a hard time. I think, too, when you think about connection as simply being just taking a moment to just hold your time hold your child. Think about Mm -hmm. when your child was a baby. When your child was a baby and they were crying, you didn't think about anything but trying to fix what they need, right? You were able to hold them and you gave them what they needed right there at that moment. Our kids are no different as they age. They still need you right then at that moment. And what you want to communicate to them is that no matter what happens, no matter what situation happens, whatever they do, you are going to be there for them. That is how we display the gospel to our children. It's this unconditional love that we are there for them, when, even when it's messy, even when things aren't going well. And if I'll just take some time to just connect and listen to you first, I'll be able to respond to you so much better. You'll be able to hear what I'm having to say. And my child will want to come to me when they're 16 or 20, they'll actually want to, if I can just practice listening just a little bit better, um, even when they're young. Now, there's no magic wand. It doesn't mean that just because I chose to connect with my child at that moment, I calmed them down or that I'm even going to be able to calm them down very quickly. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And so sometimes we'll try to do the steps, right? Connect mm-hmm. and redirect. And it just doesn't work the way we wanted it to work. That's not because you did it wrong. It's just that you're dealing with a child who their upstairs brain isn't fully. And it doesn't mean you don't. And it doesn't mean you stop doing right. it. Right. You still are going to. You have still to need keep to do it the next time. That. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you brought up a point about connecting and touching. I think what is it? You need forty touches a day. Like for healthiness, mm. it's forty touches a day. So I remember. And if you have a kid that's tall and big, 
they don't get hugged or touched as much as the cute little people that fit in your armpit. Mm, and so good. during volleyball season, when I was coaching volleyball, I remember reading an article from a, a college coach and he was like, you need to hug your players. And, he, and of course he was like, I don't hug mine because they're females, but you need to have someone on your staff that hugs your players, especially the tall ones. Cause those kids don't get touched or hugged as much as the short little ones that fit underneath the armpit. And that left such a huge, um, just impression on me because it's a hundred percent true. Tall girls, tall boys don't get touched and hugged. Little short people, because they're cute and tiny, do. And so watching that even in our house, like we had a kind of a season where I was like, y'all are, this is not, we're not connecting. And I had to make my, make myself, I need to hug them twice a day. Just hugs, like full on sternum to sternum hug, like hug. And you know how they do the whole, oh gosh, stop hugging me. Their yeah. arms are limp. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm, I'm hugging you for seven seconds. And on that seven seconds, they're finally like, okay. And their arms slowly come around. But the more you do it, the more like, if I just hug her, it'll be over with. You're right. But it changed their personality. It changed their feeling. It changed our connection. And it changed the dynamic of the house. It was huge. Because, you know, little kids get it all day long. But you forget about as they get older, they still need hugs. They do need that. Well, and the connection, I think think all that's so true because the connection that we need doesn't stop. Right. Just because we're aging. It may look a little different, but it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. That's if, you got, good. if you got tall people or big people, hug them. Now, did that translate to hugging each other too? Yes. Yeah, so I made my girls like on my team hugging mm-hmm. each other. And then the kids hug each other like at our house. Yeah. But yeah, because they need 40. I'm not going to be able to give them 40. <laughs> so they need to learn to touch and give each other those touches. At least a little the... squeeze on the arm yeah. or a little pat on the head. Well, or... watching the Olympics, I say those sand volleyball people have got that down. They... <laughs> <laughs> They hug all the time. All the time. Hug, sure. tap, pat, all the time. <laughs> so true. Yeah, but I think that makes good team chemistry. And really, actually, the like the, the US Even volleyball the regular program, volleyball team, too. They all hug in the middle, too. They well, that's where I got it from. Karch yep. Karai is their yeah. coach, and he talked about that a couple years ago. And he was like, that is a dynamic for women's sports that we are losing because men are coming in and coaching, and they're forgetting that women need that connecting point. And then they've translated to other sports, but... That's funny you say women's yeah. volleyball because that's where the article came from. Well, even even boys need that too. They it just they looks different. That's though. why they wrestle. That's why yes. they you know oh when they're are young, rough yes, with each totally. other. Yeah, that's they are. That's uh-huh. their way of doing doing touch. But yeah. even just a simple touch on on you know it's it's on their hand. It's a it's a touch on their shoulder. Sometimes that can do a lot mm-hmm. to help somebody feel connection. Now I will say too, there are times you know your kiddo. There are times. When you don't want to be touched. Yeah. And so maybe connection doesn't look like touch sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if you are totally throwing a fit and upset, sometimes kids don't want to be touched. But just a calming voice, sometimes music, different things like that will text? help calm. Like, hey, how are you doing today? For like a teenager, if yeah. you have your, if they have their phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes we forget. We only text them to mm-hmm. get this, do that. Why mm-hmm. did you do this? Why are your grades bad? Hey, pick up milk on your way home. Well, so you're the main, you're making a good Stop point. Uh huh. It's a great point. It's, sometimes it's hard for us to connect when things are going well. Yeah. Right. When you're not even upset with them, yeah. it's hard to connect. So just think how hard it is to connect when they're misbehaving. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to connect then for mm-hmm. us because we don't really want to. At that point, again, we get stuck on compliance. I just want you to do what I want you to do. Well, and my thing too with texting—it's funny you brought that up, Christy. Like with teenagers was, and we. We try to only put in text things we don't mind that our kids will read over and over. 
Because like when they read Wait, it over and mean? over, they have like for example, if parents are putting in text, "Hey, why are your grades bad? Why is this?" So uh, yeah. they're going to reread that stuff, and it's like it's happening to them over and over versus one conversation that they have. Um, I think that's sweet. You think the kids because are reread that? Mine, they <laughs> I do. I think mine are like, "Dully, okay, thanks, mom." See, and then I guess too, that's Amory's thing. Know your kids, because my kids would. My kids <laughs> oh. would reread it. They would feel bad, and they'd reread. I can't believe mom. Like, I guess every oh, kid, all the kids sweet. are different. Well, Yours my boy, nice. mine, my girls, mine just delete me. <laughs> <laughs> delete you. <laughs> all of you are just specific conversations. Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm mom, you need to send me your number again. I would like to think just that one. You need anyway. to send me your contact information again. Mom, I deleted you from my phone. I blocked you. I you blocked on. you. I Muted guess I'll you. unblock you. So let me, and in previous conversations, we said that they ping you when you're coming in the house so they know oh, when you're getting there. They do. And I swear they get up and change and do something that they're not supposed to be doing because they know mom's about to pull in. Oh, yeah. I'm just letting it all hang out today. This is great. Thanks, Mrs. Linda. Mimi. Appreciate you, Mimi. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. It makes the awesome. mother mom go, yeah, my kids do that, too. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. It's just good. It's, so, hey, we review good. those books again. Say those books again. Yes. So, one of them is called No Drama Discipline, and the other one is called The Whole Brain Child. And these are not Christian books. They are not. And that's why I recommend also reading Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting the 14 gospel, gospel principles that can radically so change good. your family. But I will say, too, I just wanted to touch base, though. Like, there's amazing books that aren't based on the Bible, biblical theology, that are so good yes. that we can learn stuff from. There is well, science. I, I, it's we science. can't discount no. science. And God made us. And so he made the science, right? And I, mean, I will the science say, too, is so great. that audiobooks are amazing. Um, if you... We, as moms, often don't have time to sit down and read a book, but you are already you, you are already taking time to listen to this podcast, so you can make time to listen, right? So it's like how she fit that. You so can um, listen while you're doing the dinner, doing um, chores, and so you can get a lot of knowledge even that way. So uh, get some exercise. I tell go people all the time, walking. even if you don't like to exercise, go to the gym. Like, I mean, walk, just put on a podcast. That's become my favorite thing. I mean, I know we should connect with our kids, but my girls sometimes are like, can I walk with you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you can walk. You're just going to have to walk somewhere else. <laughs> I'm walking by myself. Catch me on the flip side. I've done that before. I said, I'll come pick you up after about 40 minutes mm. and then I'll pick you up. Well, know. and it is kind but of it's, having both of that input into your life those that are maybe not a, on a Christian author and the one that is yes. because I will say one thing that I think is wrong in these books is that they talk about if if you understand how the brain totally works and you function completely that, that way <laughs> that you could have this child who always is self-regulated who never responds they say badly that? but it's implied by it. that like yes. if you are following all of these whole brain techniques it's like that book how to have a new kid by friday if you follow all this behavior stuff then your kid will be perfectly changed well and respond they talk to you more well about friday, like you can impact your grandchildren because your your children are you know therefore they are well adjusted and they're a lot children. different than friday Emery. and uh, <laughs> and what i'm saying is that uh that i think that Knowing how the brain works and responding to that way is biblical because God made the brain. And yes. so we want to understand how the mm-hmm. brain works. But there is the gospel part, too, that mm-hmm. is hugely important in how our kids are going to develop. But when we learn to respond out of love, 
connection, we are displaying the gospel to our kiddos too. So um, it's really hard to have those really good conversations about what it means to be a believer when you're not connecting with your children. And that's the cross. Jesus died for us. We treated him horribly. We were miserable, horrible people, and he died for us anyway. So that's what we want to show our kids, right? We're not just going to talk about the cross. We're going to point you to it by demonstrating the gospel through us. Even when you're ugly, even when you're, you're ugly, me, even when you're horrible, me, I'm going to love I'm you. I'm going to show love by the way I connect with you. Yes. And if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling some shame, it's okay. We all do. But it doesn't mean you're not you always going to do it well. You're not perfect. No. That's right. Christ That's died for that because you're this not. Great That's great word exactly called right. grace. It's never too late to decide that you want to um, learn something change, different. learn something new and be a little different. That's exactly right. I think it's it awesome. feels good to have tools too, to because it is very hard when your kids are emotionally um, having this breakdown. Mm-hmm. You feel very um, afraid that you're not going to be able to help them or that this is going to continue to know just some tools on what you can do to be able to respond to that in a way better because you don't like it when it goes bad. It makes you feel yucky too when the reactions that you had with or the relationship you had got broken in that way. You don't like it either. So it's good to be able to learn new tools. Mm -hmm. And there's genuine fear that you're going to mess up your kid. I mean, there just is. is. The moment you became pregnant, you're going to mess them up. I mean, it's just, let's acknowledge that. It's a matter of degrees. Yes. (laughs) I'm afraid I'll mess them up. Like, you're going to make mistakes, but that's called grace and that's mercy. And that's absolutely what God brings to the table, the gospel, which is wonderful. And the knowledge though. Yeah. Of reading those books and having tools to get through those hard seasons. And, and in the books, they do um, also talk about different times that it didn't work for them. So I think that's always helpful, too. Yeah, books. where it failed. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this it perfect failed. solution, but it mm-hmm. failed. Doesn't yeah, always that work is perfectly. Good. That is really good. Because it will fail sometimes. It does. Because we're people. It will. Y'all, that, we need to be absolute on that. It's going yeah. to fail. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Like, it's just going to. If you just acknowledge it, that it's just going to, it's so much easier it's to deal with it. not going to work every time. Yeah. And then when it does, you're like, oh, I'm a champion. Exactly. But tomorrow, it's going to be a whole different That's story. right. And learning That's how right. to ask for forgiveness from your kids is really important, too. Yeah. I Which is that. almost a whole other podcast. But and the more you do it, the easier it is. That is true, too. Um, well, this has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Any little nuggets you want to leave our parents with or people with about what it means? I do like the fact that you said this is cross, really, cr- I mean, cross generation. It's not cross age groups, I guess you could I, say. I'll say my, my challenge would be just don't think you have to do all of it perfectly. Just try to, first of all, work on connecting. Just try to work on calming down during that enraged moment. Work on that first. Just try to get, because even even if you can end a situation with less drama than what you started with, that's a win, right? If you were able to calm them down, you didn't get into this huge battle and fight where you're both yelling and screaming at the end of it, then that's a win. So first start there. First start with learning how and practicing making connections. And I think you'll find that you'll notice it in other times because that's Mm -hmm. how it was for me. I went into it thinking about dealing with little kids, but then I realized with conversations with my daughter, oh, I'm not connecting or conversations with my husband. Oh, I'm not connecting. Mm -hmm. I'm skipping that step. and I'm trying to go straight to fix or to help them. And that's not feeling helpful right now. Mm -hmm. So just try that first. See how that that's helps. good. It's good. And that's that. what's so great about worshiping a living and breathing God, because you're you're 
growing yourself with knowledge. And he's like, I'm going to make that translate to other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so great Maybe about him. the person at Walmart that's yelling at you, too. Maybe you can uh, show there connection. There is a lot of yelling going on right now, yeah. I gotta say. Yeah. Yes. That is true. I feel true. like it's not as much as it used to be. Really? Yeah. But I'm not, I'm trying to avoid where people yell. So maybe that's why I don't see it. That works. (laughs) Avoid it. That's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Yelling directly at me, I will discuss that. But just yelling at other people. Well, thank you so much for coming, uh, Mrs. Lindig. Mimi, Mimi. thank you for coming. We appreciate that so so much. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't mean that. Um, but we appreciate you coming mm-hmm. very much. Thank um, you for having helpful me. Helpful conversation. We love it. So anyway, till next time, everybody, we'll see you all next week. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Watch what happens now.